Thanks for tuning in to Christian Medical and Dental Association's chapel. May the message be a blessing to you. I told Carol, I guess probably six weeks ago, I said, Carol, you got, got any openings for chapel? I said, I'm pretty sure I got a word from the Lord last night during church. And I said, I'd really like to share it with everybody. She said, okay, let me see what I got. So she's looking and she's looking around and she finally comes back. She says, I have October the, the 27th. I said, oh, that'll work. Well, first of all, I did not write down the word of the Lord that I got from him the night before. So that word's gone. I've, I've tried to find it. I went back and looked at notes. I've went back and looked in my Bible because we've been in the book of Acts forever. You know, first one in the book of John, teach how to love. Now in the book of Acts to teach how to worship. My, my pastor's killing me. Um, but I thought, okay, Lord, now what am I going to do? All I want to do is just what he's asked me to do. I want to be able to share with you what he has shared with me in hopes that it will bless your life the way that it's blessed mine. Um, the, the title of this um, chapel is um, An Alabaster Box. And I had never heard of an alabaster box until I went to Tennessee Avenue and I heard this um, dear friend sing it and cried like a baby. Um, so I hope that as, as I try to explain the alabaster box to you, um, because I tried researching it, thinking, you know, oh, you can find all kinds of study guides online about the alabaster. There ain't nothing. It's just not there. So this morning I come in and I said, Lord, I have nothing. You're going to have to help me. But he took me in a completely different route than what I would have thought that he was going to take me. So I, I just pray that, that he'll bless you as we go through this. In Luke 37, 30, uh, 7, 37, and 38. Oh, I did it. I know that's a little light to see. Sorry, I, I forgot it was going to be. So far away. It says, And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet. Behind him weeping, she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. You know, I kept looking, thinking, okay, I'm not sure what, what version of the Bible I'm reading, but it's just flat because this woman is sinner. And it's like the Holy Spirit said this morning, but that's what you are. This is what she was. This is what she was when she came to Christ with that alabaster, alabaster box. I ain't saying that no more. So just, just a couple questions. Just a couple. I have four points and six subpoints under each one, so we'll be here until lunchtime. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is um, when she brought that box, that box of oil and ointment in, <clears throat> she had one focus, one focus only. It did not matter to her that that room was filled with people, Pharisees, people that she knew was going to look down their nose at her. She didn't care. She had one focus, and that focus was Jesus. And as I, I looked at that this morning, I thought, so is my focus really on Jesus and Jesus alone? 
Well, I'm just going to tell you, you know, I got grandkids. So there's a distraction automatically, and any of you that are grandparents know what I'm talking about. Um, there's, that's how the enemy uses things of this world, even family, um, even work, as, as much as, as we love what we do and we do it for the kingdom. He still uses work as a distraction. If he can distract us away from the focus on Christ, not on what we're doing for Christ, on Christ. He's won. He's, he's, he's took our focus away. So if he's taken our focus away, where's our worship? Well, if we have no worship, why would anybody want what we have? There's been two times in my life that I have seen it. With, with focus, there comes unity for me. Unity in the body. Whether it be unity here at work, unity at church, or unity between people outside of a Christian organization. Twice I have seen true unity in the church in my lifetime. And I'm going to tell you how old I am. Just take your wildest guess. The first time was actually when uh, we lost, our, lost a pastor at Tennessee Avenue. And for two weeks, two solid weeks, our church was on its knees. Every service, in between service, all the time, and no, matter what you, no matter what you caught them doing, they were praying somehow that God would show us who our pastor was, who our pastor was to be. We were in complete unity because we were focused on Christ and what he wanted for our church. That lasted about two weeks. It took us almost 18 months to find a pastor. The second time was when I went to Nicaragua on a mission trip. First and only mission trip I've been privileged to go on, but I'm just going to tell you, if you ever had a chance to go, you need to go. From the time you get on that plane till the time you get back off that plane, you have one focus. And that focus is Christ. That focus is to be Jesus to the people on your team. That focus is to be Jesus to the people that are serving you as you serve other people. That peop that your focus is to be Jesus to the people that come in and sit down at a clinic and need a pair of reading glasses so that they can read their Bible because the prints are so small. That's your focus. So where's my focus? She knew with everything that she had, didn't, she didn't need anybody else's approval. She didn't need anybody to say, come on in, Jesus is this way. She didn't need the, the greeter at the door or the usher opening the door or somebody giving her, but she didn't need that. She knew the only thing she needed was to be able to get to Jesus when she entered that room. The second thing is, she went to Jesus in spite of the people in that house. In the house, in the room that she went into, in spite of the fact that those people were Pharisees, again, that would look down their nose at her, that did not want her to be there. She went in in spite of them. Now, two things there. Do I let what other people think of me, especially if I'm sitting in, in a worship service, whether it be a Gold City concert or a worship service at church or a worship service here, do I let what other people is going to think of me if I raise my hands in worship or if I decide I need to go to, to the altar in the middle of everything that's going on, do I let what somebody might think of me hinder what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do? And I'll just tell you straight up, the answer a lot of times is yes. Shouldn't be that way. If I can get that ignorant over a football game sitting on my couch in my living room, I should be able to get that excited over Jesus and for what he's done for me. Acts 13.22b, and I, this just came up in, in, oh, go back. This, this just happened to come up in, in our 
in our study last Wednesday night. Not last night, but last Wednesday night. And as, as I read this, I've heard this, I've heard this verse a thousand times. But I've never heard the very end of the verse and, ha- and what it spoke to my heart. Acts 13, 22b says, and it's talking about David, talking about when they were going to make him king. It says, this is God talking about him. He was a man after my own heart, which is what I've always heard, which shall fulfill all my will. And the Holy Spirit immediately said to me, are you doing my will? Are you doing the will of the Father? Are you doing the will of what God tells you to do? Strong's Concordance lists one of the definitions as shall fulfill, shall fulfill to do, to act rightly, to do well, to carry out, or to execute. Am I carrying out God's will that he has for my life? All of us have a purpose. It's up to us whether we choose to obey him and, and follow that purpose. So how would I have reacted when that woman came in and met Jesus. If she had come in and sat down in the middle of Tennessee Avenue Baptist Church Sunday morning, the choir comes out and they're all ready to sing and we're sitting in the sound booth watching all the people come in and I happen to see her come through the doors and she sits down right in the middle section, three or four rows back from the preacher and, you know, talking about as a sinful woman, you can only imagine, you can, you can, your thoughts can take you where that might be. Somebody comes in dressed in short sleeves and they've got tattoos on them or Whatever the case, big gauges in their ears. I'm talking about my son now, in case y'all don't know. Um, how, how would I react? What would I do if that person came in and just sat down on Sunday morning? Would I be like Jesus and love that woman? Would I be forgiving of any wrongdoing that was in her life? Or would I be like the Pharisee in verse 39 and ask maybe underneath my breath, this man if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Which one of those would be my thought if that woman come in and sit down in my church? And the last thing is, she gave Jesus her very best. She came broken. She came weeping. Was she broken because of her sinful life? Was she broken because of how much love she had for her Savior? For me, I think it was probably both. I think she had to have been broken for her sinful life before she realized the need and the actual love of her Savior. So I think it was probably both. And then she broke that jar, that beautiful jar that was worth so much. She didn't bring the least that she had or her leftovers. Everything that I could find about an alabaster jar, it was very valuable. And most often it was given with marriage as like a type of dowry for the, um, from the bride to her husband. So she didn't give her least or her leftovers. She gave her very best, her first fruits. And she didn't pour out just a little. She didn't say... I'm going to give a little bit of time here. It's Wednesday night. It's time for me to go to church. She didn't give a little bit over here and say, oh, it's Sunday morning. It's time to go to church. She didn't give some of what was in that jar and say, I'm going to read a little bit today. I'm going to get in the Word today and then let 
all these distractions, take her away from that. She gave everything that she had out of that jar. You know, we may not feel like we have much. You don't have to be extraordinary to make a difference. All of us have a different story. All come from somewhere different and have different experiences in life. And all of these experiences, both good experiences and bad experiences, make up the praise in our individual alabaster boxes. The question is, are you willing to break it at the feet of Jesus? And are you willing to give your all for him?